Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. The point of us playing that video uh, every week in this series is that it gives us some images of, of things that we um, might be concerned about. Uh, we, we live in a scary world a lot of times, whether it be natural disaster or the, uh, the threat of terrorism or whatever the case might be. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why we may be uh, shaken up a little bit. And when we look at the world we live in, we just need to be reminded that God's our fortress. And uh, that's why we've been doing this series in, in Psalm 46. Uh, thus far in, in the series, we discovered in uh, uh, verse uh, 1 and 3 that uh, God is a, a refuge. Uh, he's our strength. Uh, he's a very present help. In other words, he's available. He's not distant somewhere to where he can't help you. He's your very present help in, uh, in times of trouble when the world is crowding in on you. That's what the word trouble means there, like you're being pushed into a corner in a tight place uh, in, in your life. Uh, and because God is those things, we don't have to fear. He said we shall not fear because God is those things. We need to put our trust in him as our fortress. We've also seen that God is a uh, river of joy because it talked about there's a river that makes glad the city of God. Uh, the streams run up, make glad the city of God, the holy place of the Most High. Uh, that God is in the midst of her and she shan't, uh, should not be moved. And it uh, talks about uh, God's power uh, also in those verses. So from that, we, we need to discover that God can refresh us uh, in the midst of whatever we're facing, just like a stream. And we need to trust and depend upon God's presence when we're going through difficult situations and God's power uh, when we're facing those kinds of, of circumstances. Uh, and today we're going to talk about God being our rest in place. And uh, you'll see that kind of comes from a particular part of the verses that we're looking at this morning. To remind you, because uh, we got snowed out last week, uh, so to remind you the background, and this may be your first Sunday with us during this series, to remind you the background of Psalm 46, most Bible scholars believe that the background of this psalm is a time in the nation of uh, Judah, the southern kingdom, when King Hezekiah was on the throne. And there's this large Assyrian army, King Sennacherib and this large army from Assyria was coming through, uh, defeating city after city. The Assyrian records themselves say that they had overcome 46 fortified cities in the southern kingdom. And now they're coming on their way to Jerusalem to lay siege against Jerusalem. So the people inside naturally would have been concerned because they're hearing this word that this Assyrian army is defeating everyone that they've come in contact with. City after city has fallen. And now they're at your gates waiting to attack you, waiting to try and overrun your city, overrun your lives, take your life, take everything that you own. So they had reason to be shaken up. Uh, that's the imagery that's given in, in Psalm 46 when it said, though the mountains be moved and be cast into the sea and, and the waters roaring like a tidal wave, the people of the city of Jerusalem would have emotionally felt like that, like their very earth was shaken out from underneath them. They, they would have been greatly concerned about the situation that they were facing because this large threatening army was outside, just like you may be concerned about some threatening circumstances in your life. King Hezekiah does this. He turns to God and he prays to God. And he sends messengers to the prophet Isaiah, 
who also seeks God. And the prophet Isaiah sends word back to King Hezekiah and tells him not to be afraid, not to fear. So we're told that in Psalm 46. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though all this stuff may be true, even though all this stuff might happen, we will not be afraid. We will not, not fear. Psalm 46, as I've mentioned each week, is a psalm that talks about the presence of God and how important that is to the people of God, not just then, but even now. We need to understand God's presence, especially when we're facing difficult circumstances. And that's what the, uh, the psalm is about. So today, we're going to talk about how when we are facing difficult circumstances, difficulties in our lives, dangerous, scary situations, how you and I need to let God be our, our rest in place. God our fortress is our, our resting place. Look at these verses. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I'm God. I'll be exalted among the nations and I'll be exalted in the earth. Now, as is true, a lot of times in the Bible, there'll be immediate fulfillment and there'll be a future fulfillment. And I think that's true in this passage too. Immediately, most Bible scholars, as I've already said, think this talks about that time when the Syrian army was coming to attack the city of Jerusalem. But also there's a future time when God's going to end war forever. Amen. And there's a future time that he will be glorified in the nations. There's a future time that he'll sit on his throne uh, forever. But the immediate part of it deals with historical context that I've already mentioned to you. So as we look at this, we're going to notice that God is, in these verses, God is a victorious king, and that God is also a protector king, and that God is a glorious king. And we need to rest in those facts and those truths as we face difficulties in life. So to start with, consider this. Now, I failed to say anything about that. Uh, if you're here the first time in this series, you might be thinking, why is he saying consider this all the time? The word selah, when you read in the Psalms, in, in Psalm 46, literally means that. Consider what you just read. Consider what you just heard. So c- consider this. God, our fortress, is our victorious king. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he brought desolations on the earth, how he makes his war cease to the end of the earth, how he breaks the bow and shatters the spear and burns the chariots with fire. Don't get away from the context of what I told you the background was. There's this army outside that no doubt is is shaking up the people inside the city of Jerusalem. And while this story is attached to a time when King Hezekiah was king, ultimately, here's who the king of Jerusalem is, God himself. Not just the king of Jerusalem, he's the king of all the universe. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and we need to let him be our king as we face difficult situations ourselves. The scenario was this. They probably went to bed worried the night before. Would you not have, if someone were to tell you that there's a large group hiding outside your house and you're trying to go to bed and rest at night, but you've already been warned, there's a large group outside your house that wants to overrun your home and wants to kill you and take away everything you own, I dare say you'd go to bed a little bit worried, wouldn't you? You know, some of us will sleep with our AR-15s or whatever, you know. But uh, anyway, we would be a little bit shaken up before we, uh, before we were ready to, to go to bed that night. So, so factor that in to the way these people were feeling. They, they went to bed really, really worried because they were afraid what might happen. Now, I've already read the end of the story, but it's a recurring thing that we have to bring up in this series. But the end of the story was this. God defeated the enemy for them. God took care of the situation. God took care of the scenario that they were facing. 
that this enemy threat was outside. In 2 Kings 19, verse 35, it says this, And that night the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Did you remember what, the, uh, what one of the commanders of the Assyrian army had been doing? He'd been showing up outside the gate of the city, and he'd been kind of making fun of the people in the city and, and telling them that they were, you know, couldn't even come out and begin to stand and fight. They even said at one time, we'll give you 2,000 horses. The Syrian army was telling the people in Jerusalem, we'll give you 2,000 horses. If you can put 2,000 men on, then you come out and fight with us. So they're kind of making fun of them. Did you notice how hard it was for God to take care of 185,000? It only took one angel. Matter of fact, it wouldn't have taken one angel because God is God. Amen? He puts the air in your lungs. God could have said, let the oxygen stop. <laughs> let the heart stop. He didn't have to send the angel of the Lord, but he did that. And even though they went to bed really, really worried that night, they wake up the next morning and they discover what God has done. That, that come look at the works of the Lord is what we're told there. Look, he brought desolation on the earth. He, he's made this particular war to cease. He's taken care of the enemy. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear and, and burns the chariots with a fire. Now, several word studies we're going to have on the screen. I'm not going to read all of them, but the, the word come literally is like you're, you're inviting somebody over and says, come behold, come gaze at this. So one, once again, imagine the situation. They went to bed worried. They had for days because of this army being outside. And they're worrying about this potentially invading army that has defeated all these other cities, so they go to bed worried. Then... On the night after God told Hezekiah not to be afraid, God sends the angel of the Lord and 185,000 the enemies killed. When they got up the next morning, and here's probably the way it happened because it doesn't look like as you read in the scriptures that the Assyrian army was right outside the gate of Jerusalem. They had an encampment a little ways off. But no doubt Hezekiah had spies that was going keeping an eye on that invading army. So someone would have seen that next morning. Man, there's dead people all over the place. Look, look what happened to the Syrian army. So they would have ran back and, and gave news to the city. And probably, you know, people would thought, oh, I don't believe that. I'm going to go look. And they, and they would come out and, and see it. But word would start to, to have spread. It's like they would, would have said, hey, c- come see. That, that's what we're being told in this verse. Come, come see. Come look. Come behold. Come look at the works of God. Look how God dealt with this situation. We had been so scared, so worried about it, that we didn't even know what to do because of all the threats that had been put toward us by the Assyrian army. But, but, but come over here and look and see how God has handled this. Look at the performance of God. That, that's what it means when it talks about his works. Look how God has, has dealt with it. Uh, next, next slide. Uh, look at what the self-existent eternal God has done. Look at the desolations he has brought. And, and the root word there even means to stun or to grow numb. So definitely the enemy army was kind of stunned when God showed up in the way he did. But I think the people of Jerusalem were stunned by what happened. They, they were stunned and shocked at how God had delivered them. And how God had brought that desolation into the earth upon this invading army that wanted to bring war and destruction. But God took care of all that. And then the main thing I want you to get is this. They were very worried but they woke up one morning and they saw what God had done. And, and they say, come, come here, come here. You see, we need to do the same thing. 
Because over the course of our lives, if you'll think about it, there's probably multiple battles that God has won for you on the battlefield of your life. There have been a lot of things you have worried about and been concerned about. You may have woke up this morning concerned about something, worried to death, you know, coming to church about some situation in, in your life that you're facing. But if we would be honest, if we would reflect back over our life and come and see what God has done. You see, we need to revisit that ourselves. We tend not to do that. We, we tend because of our human nature. When some new situation comes up, we act like God's never done anything for us. When what we need to do is remind ourselves, God helped me here, and, and God helped me here, and God, God helped me here. He got me through these situations in my life, and, and we need to bring ourselves, our own mind, back to it and, and remember and see what God has done. But we need to show other people what God has done. We need to be telling other people, hey, c- c- come and see. Let me show you what God's done. Because... If you don't do that, it's real easy when a new situation arises for you to get discouraged and despondent and all defeated. But if you'll be constantly reminding yourself, hey, look what God's done already. Then that gives you the the, the faith to make it through whatever you're facing now and the faith to make it through whatever you might face in the future. Now, I understand how we can have a defeatist mentality. I understand how it's real easy for us to you know, get down and out about situations in, in our life and us get really, really worried about stuff. And, and you may be sitting listening to me right now, and you may be the kind of person that's thinking, and I, I, don't, I don't remember anything that God's done for me. Well, if you're a Christian, can I point to one thing? If you're a Christian, if you can't find anything else, just visit the cross of Christ for a minute. Just go there and come and see and remind yourself what he has done for you. How he shed his blood to give you the victory over your sin. How he defeated sin and and the devil and, and death through what he did on the cross in his resurrection. Remind yourself what God has done. If you can't think of anything else, you think of the cross, and you ought to have the confidence to think, man, if he did that for me, he can get me through whatever else I'm facing. You need to remember that he is a victorious king, that he is a victorious king, and we need to, we need to trust in him. We need to be still before him and let him be a victorious king instead of being so paralyzed by situations in life. He's not only a victorious king, consider this also. He's a protector king. He's a king who protects you. Yes, he was a victorious king for Hezekiah and the people of of Jerusalem. But he's also a protector king. In other words, Hezekiah and his army and the people in Jerusalem didn't have to lift a finger. They didn't have to go out and do any battle because the angel of the Lord took care of the enemy and they took tails and ran off. After that happened, we better get back to Assyria. We don't like what happened to us last night. This, is, this God's bigger than what we can deal with. So they, they took off and they left. And see, through that, Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem discovered this also, that God was their protector king. See, the only thing they had to do was be still. They they just had to be still and know that God was in control. 
and, and know that God was God. They did not have to fight the battle. The only thing they had to do was simply to, to, to be still. See, I think that's what our problem is. Some of the words that's used there, uh, be still means to slack and to cease, to draw toward evening. In other words, you're, you're calling it quits for the day. You're not, you're not actively trying to take care of anything. It, it means to be faint, to be feeble, to forsake, to be idle, to let something alone, uh, to stay still, uh, even to admit that you're weak. We need to do that. We need to be still in all those ways and know, know for certain Be acquainted with the fact that God is the supreme God. That's what the word for God means there. He is the supreme God. And he can deal with your circumstances. But our problem is this. We we don't like to be still. We don't like to think that we can't do something about it. We like to be hands-on, don't we? We we like to feel like we can pull ourselves out of the muck and the mire of whatever it is. We can pull ourselves up our own bootstraps. We, we like to feel like we're in control. So in, instead of depending upon God and resting in God and being still before God and, and allow him to speak to us and help us in our circumstances, uh, m- many times we'll wait and think of that solution uh, a thousand times down the road after we've tried everything else. When our first solution should be, I need to go and, and wait before God. You could paraphrase those words by simply saying this. Be still could literally kind of be translated by by saying this. Take your hands off and relax. But we have difficulty doing that. It's hard for us to do that because somehow we've been taught or we feel like we can deal with it. We can take care of it. Hey, I'm guilty of it. You are too. Admit it, right? Where you think somehow you're going to be able to deal with the circumstances when what we need to do is admit to God that he's God and we're not. We need to admit to God that we're weak, that we're feeble. We need to forsake our own devices and we need to completely, totally just trust in him. And in a different dimension, a different application of what's said here, we also need to do this because it will help us as we face the circumstances of life. We need to learn to pull aside from the rat race of the culture that we live in and just wait before God. You see, and that's very hard for us in this day and time, too, because we, you know, we've got our televisions, we've got our headphones, we've got our iPhone, iPad, iPod, I, whatever you can think of. And we've got a constant activity going on. Constantly, our minds are in, in, engaged with things, and, and, and it's hard for us just to come over and, and be still and listen to God. Be still before him. But that's something that's extremely strategic in your life if you want to be prepared for the armies when they come up against you. When there are these Assyrians out here in the world, or whatever it is that you might be facing, the circumstances that you're facing that so worry you, if you are preparing your heart and your mind by waiting before God, it'll help you to make it through those scenarios and those situations. But we get really busy, don't we? Man, I can almost hear, you know, hear thoughts come out sometimes when I start talking about you need to have a quiet time. You need to take time in, you know, in yourself to pull aside and, and study your Bible on a daily basis. Just coming to church on Sunday, grabbing your Bible up, bringing it under your arm, listening to a sermon, going home, putting your Bible back on the shelf is not what you need. You need to be actively 
engaged with God in fellowship with Him and, and waiting before Him, being still before Him and allowing Him to help you. But anytime I, I talk about things like that, you can almost hear the thoughts, but, 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 preacher, you don't know how busy I am. I don't know when I'd have time to do it. Listen, here's the truth, and whether you like it or not, this is the truth. You make time for anything that you think is really important to you, don't you? And, and, and I'm, not just, I'm not just preaching this to you. I'm preaching it to myself because you've heard me give this personal testimony before. It's in the times in my life over the course I've been in the ministry that I kind of convince myself, hey, you've studied 25 hours this week in the Bible to get ready to do a sermon. But if I convince myself that's all I need to do this week, and, and I start getting a pattern of, well, hey, you spent all this time studying to preach a sermon, and if I start allowing that, to supplement or be in the place of my own private time before God. Can I tell you what happens to my life? I nosedive. Man, if I had some way to put it on a chart, I, I could probably see. Here, here's the time I, I started just putting it on cruise control, thinking I'm okay, and I, I would nosedive. If I'm not spending time. And, and it doesn't mean, don't beat yourself up, it doesn't mean you have to sit down every morning and, 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 and memorize the, you know, Psalm 119 or anything like that, but, but, but sit down and take time with God and, and allow Him to, to speak to you, to prepare you, because dangerous, scary situations are going to come in life. See, just because I'm telling you God is our resting place, God can be a victorious king, a protective king, don't misunderstand the message. I'm not giving you a health and wealth message where I'm saying, hey, don't sweat it. God will take care of anything that you face. Go read Job a little bit. Go think about the life of Paul for a few minutes. That doesn't mean that God will guard you against any dangerous circumstances. The people of Jerusalem were scared to death because of a dangerous circumstance. I'm just telling you that in the midst of it, you need to be still before God and learn how to trust in him. Let him be your victorious king. Understand that he's your protective king. If you want God to be your resting place, you have to take time to let him be your resting place. You have to take time to pull aside and rest in him and let him speak to you. Some people call it a quiet time. Some people call it their devotional time. Some people call it sitting down just studying the Bible in their home or their, their prayer time, whatever you want to call it. And you might be sitting thinking to yourself, oh, I don't really know how to go about it. Uh, well, it, we, we taught the membership class for this month yesterday. And I teach one called First Steps and Growing Steps. And if you don't know how to grow as a Christian, how to study your Bible, how to pray, we'll have it again in February. And we'll give you some tools to get you started where you understand what it means to have a quiet time before God. Because you need it, because you're going to face bad situations in your life. We don't like it, but the things on that video we saw earlier are true. You're going to face those kind of circumstances in your life, and we need to understand that God is our resting place in the midst of whatever it is we're facing. God is also, as our fortress, consider this, God our fortress is also a glorious king. The glorious king. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth, is what God tells us here in Psalm 46. He's a victorious king. He's a protective king, but he's also a glorious king. He himself says, I will, will be exalted. The, the word, therefore, I will be exalted means to be high actively. Now, I know some of your mindsets, don't you go in the wrong place with that. I'm not telling you to go and be high actively all the time. You understand that? 
To be high actively in that, in that phrase that's used there in the original language in the Hebrew, what, what it means is this. It means God is exalted actively. In other words, there's not any time in heaven that God's not exalted. He is always exalted, but he's saying, hey, I'm going to be exalted in the nations. He said, I'm going to be exalted in the earth. Among heathen people, people that are Gentile people, non-Jewish people, people that are other than his chosen people to begin with. He said, I'm going to be, be exalted among them. I'm going to be actively high, actively, uh, actively lifted up and, and exalted in, in the earth. That happened in that day and time because of how God helped the city of Jerusalem against this invading army. Go back to the illustration that I used earlier. Somebody saw all that army destroyed that morning. They told someone who I guarantee you told someone else. Who told someone else? Who told someone else? Who told someone else? Man, news would have got around. Not just in Jerusalem, because all these other cities in the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom have been defeated. And now the word gets out that this great big Assyrian army is running like they're scared for their lives. And they've gone back to Assyria. That would have been noised abroad. So in other words, as people shared what God had done for them, God received glory. As they would continue and tell, man, God did this. Did you hear what God did to the Syrian army? Did you hear about all those dead bodies that were out there waiting to attack us? Did you, did you hear that? And through them sharing that over and over again, God received the glory. Because you see, they didn't win the battle themselves. God did. So as they told that, that would have been bringing glory to God. I think God allows us to get in tight places sometimes. That's what the word trouble means, as I've already told you in Psalm 46. But I think God allows us to get in tight places on purpose. He lets us get in tight places so our faith will grow and so he can be glorified. If we're not in a tight place and we think, you know, everything's fine and we can deal with it, then we're not seeking God as we ought to. And we're not looking to God as a solution. And we're not admitting that God helped us. That's why we need to have the mindset that God is the one that that did this. When, When God puts us in a difficult, dangerous situation and he brings us out of it, we we need to be telling other people that he's the one that did it. That that he's the one that delivered us, that he's the one that, that helped us. We need to share what God's done in a way that makes him glorious in the earth that we live in. God said, I'll be exalted in the nations. I told you the word means Gentile, which, you know, that day and time would have been, of course, unbelievers. We still use that as a term talking about uh, unbelievers still yet today, a churchy type term that we use. You don't know how ultimately God is glorified in the earth? Oh, he's glorified in things like the Assyrian army being defeated and chased off. But you want to know how ultimately God is glorified in the nations? He sent his son, virgin born, who lived a sinless, perfect life, who was arrested and accused of things that he had not done, who through a mockery of a trial was beaten 
over and over again with a cat of nine tails. Was nailed to a cross and shed his blood so that through faith in him we can have the forgiveness of sins and be adopted into the family of God. That is the ultimate way God is glorified in the earth. So in other words, we can help glorify God more in the earth if we'll just tell what he's done for us. If we will share the gospel. If we will tell other people how God has delivered us in our lives, how God has set us free in our lives. Because the more we do that, and the more other people believe, and they come to faith in Jesus, one life at a time is changed, bringing glory to God. One eternity at a time is changed, bringing glory to God. And the more and more we share the gospel, the more and more God can be glorified in this world that we live in. And he's a glorious God, so we ought to be about sharing who he is. Jesus went to the cross, paid for our sins. He was buried. He rose again to put a stamp of approval on what he had done. To prove he had done exactly what he said he would do. And he provided salvation for us from our sin. Not salvation from some invading army, but from our sin. And he's changed our eternal destiny. And we need to be making God more glorious by sharing the gospel in the nations of this world that we live in. Had we not had the snow... uh, Last week, I would have been dealing with verse 7 and verse 11 today. Uh, I'm not going to preach it separately next week, so I'm just going to bring it up kind of as a, as a thought before we go into the invitation time. Uh, next week, we're going to start a new series about relationships, relationships for uh, February. Uh, all the guys listen up, Valentine's is on the way. I'm trying to give you help by talking about relationships, okay? Don't forget that it's on the way. But in verse 7, it said, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And that little word that means consider this, think about what was just said. Quoted exactly the same in verse number 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Think about what was just said. We've been talking about God being our resting place. We've been talking in this series about God being our, our, our refuge, Him being our fortress, Him being our strength, Him being a very available help, Him being our river of refreshment, us depending upon His power and His presence to get us through the situations that we face in life. And God being our resting place. The Lord of hosts, that word Lord means the almighty eternal God. The Lord of hosts, of all the hosts of heaven, is with us. <laughs> Shouldn't that encourage you a little bit when you face difficulties in life? Do you, do you remember when I did deal with verse 7, uh, Sunday before last, the word with? Remember what I, I, I told you it meant? I, I guarantee you most of the men, if they were here, you remember. You might not remember any word study I've told you all year long, but when I told you the word with literally means to huddle, you remember that because you thought football, didn't you? And uh, evidently that Sunday the Panthers huddled pretty good, you know, didn't they? I'm sorry about that, Matt, but I've got to do it to you. But you know, there's no 
No comparison to the huddle that we have of God being with us. God huddling with us in whatever it is we're facing. In whatever the circumstances of of life might be. God wants to be our resting place if we'll just let him be. He's a victorious king that can get us through whatever we're facing. He's a protector king that can protect us. He's a glorious king that needs to be even made more glorious by us telling others, look what God's done, look what God's done, look what God's done. My my question before we get to this time of invitation for you is this, are you allowing God to be exalted or God to be glorified in your life? And you may be saying, well, how can I really do that? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Because that's why we have these signs that we've put on our walls now. Over here is what we call our our vision statement that we've rewritten to make it more concise for you. Over here is our mission statement. If you want to know some ways you can glorify God through your life, then you need to be part of the body of Christ. And that means you're filling your role. You're, You're being the part of the body that God wants you to be in a local church. And that'll help bring glory to Him. If you want to glorify God in in your life, then you you need to help build believers. We're told time and time again to build each other up. And as we build each other up and we help each other mature and we encourage each other, that brings glory to God. And if you want to bring glory to God, we need to change the world because, you see, that's the ultimate goal of it. Just being part of the body of Christ and building each other up is nothing more than a country club. We need to be the body of Christ and build each other up So, through that, we change the world around us. And you flesh that out by doing these things. If you're going to be part of the body of Christ, that means you need to be connecting with God. Just like a body's connecting together, you need to be spending time being still before God, as we've talked today, connecting with Him. You need to be connecting with others, because how are you going to build someone up if you don't take time to connect with them? And we need to be connecting others with God because that's why we change the world. As we connect others in a relationship with God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are such a glorious God. Forgive us when we don't give you the glory that we should when we fail to share and tell others to come and see what you've done in our lives. We thank you, Father, that you're our, our fortress for those who have believed in, in Christ, who are part of your family, that you're our fortress, you're our, our rock, you're our high tower. You're, you're our strength. You're a very present help. You're available to us. You're not distant as though you don't care. You're a very available help. God, let us... Drink from you like a river to where you refresh us and where we depend upon your power and your presence as we face dangerous circumstances in our lives. Father, help us to be still before you. To be still before you. And find our rest and our confidence and our strength, whatever it is we're facing in life. Because we spent time before you. Help us to be still. And know that you're God. 
and know that whatever we're facing, you can help us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you have never ever trusted in Him, why not make a step of faith? Why not be still right now before God just for a minute? Say, be still and know that I'm God. So you might have been trying to be hands-on and thinking you're going to fix your life yourself, fix circumstances yourself, but you can't do it. We can't change our eternal destiny. We can't change our lives by ourselves. That's why He sent Jesus, and that's why through faith in Jesus, He gives us His Spirit to help us and strengthen us and, and encourage us. So if you don't know Christ as your Savior, why not come today and trust in Him? And if you already know Him, I, I've said all through this series, I, I don't know everything that everyone's facing here. I know some, but I don't know everything. But maybe you need to come to this invitation and be still before God for a minute and ask Him to help you with whatever it is. It's, it's been, a, been a challenging week for me. I, most, most of you probably saw it maybe in our, in our email that we sent out, but uh, Mike Jacobs, uh, Mike, Mike and Tracy, their family, Mike's, Mike's father, uh, Willard Jacobs, passed away suddenly Sunday night. And uh, I received a text about, I don't know, maybe 11 o'clock or a little bit before and, and started getting ready to try and go over to the house because it said first responders were on the on the way and about the time we were leaving the house about 15 after or something I got a message that, that he was gone uh, I had helped work a little bit part time at their shop and they're on vacation and things and uh, I'd you know, buy some guns from them and things like that from time to time and I got pretty close to Willard so uh, while I'm not hurting like Mike is because it's his dad I, I lost a friend I had crazy dreams last night about Willard. Um, somehow in one part of the dream, I'm sitting outside of a bank talking through the speaker to Willard and he's talking to me through the speaker. I know it's crazy. I don't know why I dreamed it like that. I think that just means I had him on my mind. And I've had to be still before God this week and get some help myself. So I don't know what you're facing and what you're dealing with, but maybe during this invitation, come and bring it to God. Leave it here on an altar and ask Him to help you with whatever it is. Please stand. God speaks to your heart during this invitation. Please listen to Him. Please respond. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.